Last week, if you were here, you saw Pastor Chuck launch us in our new sermon series, Robes in the Bible. And we thought about God and his robes of splendor and majesty. Wasn't that a fun sermon? It was just fun to watch Pastor Chuck delight in God, robed in splendor and majesty and light. Well, I hope that was fun for you last week, Chuck, because today... We have Adam and Eve's fig leaves of shame. I just want to say thanks, boss, for assigning me this text. Uh, uh, so there's a tendency in us, though, to want to turn away from a scripture passage like this, to not focus in on it. It's more fun to think about God and his robes of splendor and majesty. It's a lot less fun to think about Adam and Eve's feeble fig leaves of shame, but Just as we learned a lot about God last week by looking at his garments of splendor and majesty, we can learn even more about God by looking at Adam and Eve's garments of shame. We can learn about ourselves and we can learn about God. So let's dive in and do that today. Typically, when Genesis 3 is preached on, the first half of our reading today is what's focused on. It's what we call original sin. Adam and Eve break the one rule that they had from God. They ate of the tree. And usually, original sin is what's highlighted in this text. But for our purposes today, we're going to look at the second half of our reading, what we might call original shame. See, Adam and Eve commit original sin, but the immediate result of their sin is shame. They feel ashamed. And the immediate result of that feeling of being exposed is that they want to hide. Sin, shame, and a desire to hide. That's the pattern established here by Adam and Eve. It still exists to this day. I remember my first experience with it. It was the first grade. I remember it really vividly. I was in the classroom. And one of my buddies dared me to do something naughty. And I did it. And the second that I began doing it, suddenly, Mrs. Armstrong, sitting at her first grade teacher's desk across the room, said, Nathan, what are you doing? And I froze and I turned and looked at her with these giant early 1980s glasses on, staring at me. And I realized in that moment that all the other children in the whole class had stopped what they were doing and they were staring at me too. I felt totally exposed. And I had this desire, sudden, compelling desire that I had never had before. I wanted to crawl under my desk. I had never considered crawling under my desk before. But right then I had this overwhelming urge to crawl under my desk, to hide myself from the exposure, from the shame that I was feeling. Sin leads to shame, leads to a desire to hide. The exact same pattern that was established for us by Adam and Eve. Original sin, original shame, and a desire to hide. And Adam and Eve got pretty creative in their means for hiding themselves. They had no desk to crawl under. But their first layer of hiddenness that they attempted was to hide from each other. 
They tried to hide from each other. Sometimes when I hear people and they're feeling embarrassed, they say they want to go crawl under the blankets of their bed. And Adam and Eve felt this way. And so the first layer of hiddenness that they attempt, the first blanket that they try to pull over themselves, are these fig leaves in verse 7. It says in verse 7, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They had this sudden new desire to cover themselves, to hide Can you picture them scrambling for some fig leaves? It's almost pathetic, isn't it? This feeble, scrambling attempt to cover themselves. They sew fig leaves together and put on some underwear to cover themselves in their shame. Now, as I said, this pattern that Adam and Eve began still exists today. We desire, when we realize we've sinned, when we realize we have shame, we feel exposed, and we want to hide, and we hide from each other. That's what Adam and Eve were doing there with the fig leaves. They were trying to hide from each other. So do we still have fig leaves today? Consider just for a moment our practices with social media, Facebook, Instagram. We put the best pictures up, don't we? The highlight reel of all the best moments of our lives, where we look really good, that, that's kind of like a fig leaf. We could call it figleaf.com. <laughs> Nancy has this secret desire she's been expressing for years of starting a new Instagram feed, Heart Family Rogue account, <laughs> where she takes pictures of only the shameful moments. The children are having a meltdown, or dad is raising his voice. She threatens to want to photograph it and put those on the Instagram feed. And I said, nobody wants to see that. They want to see the fig leaves. They want to see the highlight reel, all the good things. We hide ourselves through these practices, even from each other. Now, maybe you're not on Facebook. Maybe you're not on Instagram. But I can assure you that the human heart comes up with all kinds of creative fig leaves to put over each other, to put over ourselves. There's this buzzword that we use today. A lot of young people want to use it. It's, it's authenticity. Everybody says, I want authenticity. Was that person being authentic? That's what I really want. But nobody really wants authenticity. We put up fig leaves. We use social media or we use other things like busyness. That can be a fig leaf. Or anger. Sometimes you are always angry with people and you don't let them get in. You don't let them see what's behind the anger. I read this book. It's a wonderful book by M. Craig Barnes and he talks about being a pastor. And he talks about how small talk can be like a fig leaf. We can go through a whole day, a whole conversation, a whole interaction with somebody and just look at each other's fig leaves just with small talk. We never really get under the layer of what's going on underneath. So this is the first layer of hiddenness that Adam and Eve seek, to hide themselves, to hide their sin from one another. But there's a second layer. There's another blanket that they try to pull over themselves once they realize they're exposed, once they realize their shame. They pull up another layer of hiddenness. First, they use the fig leaves to hide from each other. But secondly, they use the trees to hide from God. They try to hide in their shame, not just from each other, but also from God. Let's pick up the story again in verse 8. It says this, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the 
garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, when we pictured them putting on the fig leaves, it seemed kind of pathetic. But when they run into the woods, it's even more pathetic. They're trying to hide from God, but Adam and Eve knew who created the woods. They knew who created the whole world. They knew who created the garden. And yet somehow in their fear and this sudden new desire to hide themselves, they go running into the woods. Can you picture them darting behind a tree to hide from God who made the trees? It's pathetic. Yet they're trying to hide. They're afraid. They feel exposed. So they hide themselves first from one another and then they try to hide themselves from God. Do we still do this today? Do we look for ways to hide our sin, even from God? Consider just for a second our prayer life. You know what we say to God, what we talk about when we're talking with God. Is it possible we put up the forest of obstruction so God doesn't see all of our sin? Just consider for a second. What if we had a pie chart and it had percentages on it? And we were able to measure how much time we spend talking to God and we were able to measure what things we talk about. Well, how big would the pie chart slice be for all the requests we make to God? God, I need this thing. God, can you do this thing for my friend? God, I need this. God, I need that. Can you do this? Can you make the weather hold out so I can get on the flight and fly out for spring break this week? God, can you do this for me? It's a pretty big slice of the pie chart, and most of those are really good prayers. But how big is the slice of the pie? where we list for God in chapter and verse all of our sins. God, here's what I've done against you. Here's the ways I offended my neighbor. Here's the way I hurt my spouse. Here's the way I failed to do all the things we do. It's a pretty small slice of the pie, I'm guessing. We try to hide our sins from God. And it's no wonder we do this because sometimes our view of God is one to be afraid of if he ever knew about our sins. I was at a dinner party a couple of years ago. Everybody was dressed up. It was like a fundraiser. And I was sitting next to this guy at the table. He had no idea I was a pastor, so I was really excited because I was doing research, you know. We pastors, when they don't know we're pastors, we just have conversations with people and we learn so much. I learned a lot from this guy. I was sitting next to him and uh, he was asking me about my kids and then I asked him about his kids, and suddenly he looked a little forlorn, and he said, I have two young teenage boys. And he said, oh, they are naughty. One's a preteen, and one's a teenager, and he said, they're too old for babysitter. So tonight, when I left the house, I said to them, boys, when I'm home, I'm watching you. But when I'm gone tonight, God is watching you. And he knows everything you're even thinking about doing. And I thought, oh, those poor boys. (laughs) I was once a teenage boy. So I know that they're going to have sinful thoughts and actions. But the God that their dad had painted for them, the picture he had painted for them, was the kind of God you want to run from. With his statement to them, he was pushing his boys into the same forest of hiddenness that Adam and Eve ran into to hide from God. 
We try to hide our sins from God when we forget that He's a God of mercy, not a God of judgment. That's just the second layer of hiddenness that Adam and Eve show us and that we still do today. Firstly, they use these pathetic fig leaves to try to hide from each other. We do the same. And then they run into the woods to try to hide from God. We do the same. But they have a third layer of hiddenness in the story. And this third layer is the deepest and most insidious layer of all. The fig leaves hid them from each other. The forest hid them from God. And their excuses hid their sin even from themselves. They used excuses. Verse 12, let's pick up the story. The man said to God, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. You see, they're under this third layer of hiddenness. They can't even see their own sin. They've hidden it from each other. They've hidden it from God. They've hidden it even from their own selves. God says, did you sin? They're like, he made me do it. She made me do it. Now this one, insidious as it is, deep of a hiddenness as it is, still exists today. There's been a lot of research done recently. And they're asking people about sin and corruption and evil. And people answer these surveys and they say, oh yeah, those things exist in the world, sin, evil, and corruption. But if you look at the way that people are responding to the surveys, they are locating those problems out there. Government is full of corruption. Immigrants are the problem. The political party with which I disagree, let me cite chapter and verse on all the ways they are corrupt. But when these people are asked, do you have sin? How does sin impact you? They say, I'm a victim of all those corruptions and sins. We're hidden, we've hidden our sins even from our own selves, just like Adam and Eve. She made me do it. He's the problem. This system is the problem. See the deep layers of hiddenness that we hide our sin under, all because of shame. And so here's Adam and Eve, totally distanced from God under three ever deeper layers of shame. What's God doing in the story? What's God's response to these layers of hiddenness? How does he respond to Adam and Eve, and how does he respond to us in our layers of hiddenness? What's God doing in the story? The whole time, he's moving towards them. He's moving back towards the people who are trying to hide themselves from him. He asks three questions, and in the three questions, God starts moving past those layers of hiddenness. God says, where are you? Who told you? And have you eaten? And with the first question he asks, where are you? This is not an informational question. He's God. He knows where they are. It's a relational question. He's looking at that first layer of hiddenness. They've hidden themselves from each other. And he says, where are you? Where are you? Why are you distanced from each other? And me. And he moves past that first layer of hiddenness with his first question. And with his second question, he says, who told you? You see what he's doing there? He's removing that second layer of hiddenness. They've hidden themselves even from God. You remember, they were walking with God. They were close with God. They were intimate with God, just like they were created to be. And suddenly, God, with his second question, reveals that they've been talking to someone else. 
Who told you? You've been talking with him? And God moves past that second layer. With his third question, he moves past the third layer. If you think about it, they've hidden behind their excuses, and he asks them a yes or no question. Did you eat it or not? Did you sin or not? And they have to both answer if they're being truthful. Yeah, I ate of the fruit. And God, through the story, is moving towards them, even as they are trying to bury themselves under these layers of hiddenness. God is moving towards his people, and he's moving towards us, even when we try to bury ourselves from him and from one another and from ourselves. In verse 21 of our reading today, he would do something even more amazing. He would begin to cover them. They tried to cover themselves with the the feeble uh, uh, leaves, And in verse 21, God sacrifices an animal and gives them a covering. And that points us right to the cross. Because the first half of our reading today deals with original sin. And when Jesus went to the cross, he would deal with original sin once and for all by paying the price, by paying the consequence. He would become the animal sacrifice, the human sacrifice, the divine sacrifice, so that we could be covered in his grace. He deals with original sin on the cross. But did you know that he also deals with original shame? See, Adam and Eve kept piling on the layers of hiddenness, and he kept moving towards them, and the pattern would exist all throughout the scriptures and exists in our lives. We pile on the layers of hiddenness, and he moves towards us in his grace, and we pile on the layers of shame, and he moves towards us in his grace, and the pattern continues until God made the amazing decision to do the one thing necessary to remove the shame from us. Jesus died a shameful death. When he died, he dealt with original sin, but the way he was treated leading up to his death, he was taking original shame off of us and putting it on himself. It was so fun last week to consider, to think about God in his robes of splendor and majesty. Do you realize that was a picture of our Lord? That was Jesus robed in righteousness, robed in splendor. He's the light of the world. He was robed in light last week. And look what he exchanged those garments for. Listen to this. Matthew 27, this is the day Jesus died. Look what Jesus has done to take away our shame. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit on our Lord. And they took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe. And put on his own clothes and they led him away to crucify him. How deep his love for us. We keep putting on layers of shame and hiddenness and he moves towards us until finally one day he says, I've had enough of the shame. I'll take it upon myself so that they will no longer have to bury themselves under it. This is how much God loves us. 
that he would do this for us. He would exchange his robe of splendor and majesty for a garment of shame. So what does this mean for us? How do we live considering what he's done for us? Brothers and sisters, we can come out from our layers. We can be honest with each other. We can be honest with God. We can even be honest with our own selves. We have sin. We have sinned. And yet we are still loved. He's not here to condemn us. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore no, what's the word? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he was condemned. He was shamed. He was mocked. So if we are in him, he's the one who died that day and then rose again. If we are in him, there's no condemnation. We can't condemn each other. God does not condemn us, and we need to stop condemning ourselves. Come out from your hiding. Come out from your layers of shame. He sees us. He knows us. He knows all about the sin. And he's taken away the shame. Now, it's possible some of you are hearing this and you're thinking, I can't even imagine my life without the layers of shame. I don't know how to relate to people. I don't know how to talk to God. I don't know how to look even at my own heart without the hiddenness of shame that I've placed on them over all these years. If that's you, I would just invite you to consider coming to one of the inner healing prayer sessions. You can book it at prayer at stanwichchurch.org. Just email that. We have a wonderful team of trained people who can pray with you through some of this stuff. If you don't want to do that, call up one of us pastors. We'll pray with you. We'll ask that God would give you a new understanding of yourself, that you can be honest with God and with others and with yourself, living without the consequences of sin, with the shame that we've placed upon ourselves. We're about to go to the table. We remember his great sacrifice for us. I can't think of a better way to go better place to go right now in this moment but to remember what he's done for us so that we can walk away from that table in truth and in God's mercy. Amen.